Hello, Joanna. Hello, Nate. And hello to all of you. We are here to discuss the strange, the mysterious, the unsolved, the misunderstood, the creepy. We are Stranger Than. Today is kind of a little bit of, I guess, Movember madness, if you will. Right. We're doing a nod to all the November whatever the fucks. No shave November, no nut November. It's pretty man centric. Yeah, yeah, men's health and whatever. And uh, you know, we also showcased some urban legends from Japan that were pretty much all ladies. So we figured we'd give some creepy dudes. Well, not the regular kind of creepy dude, I guess, but a different kind of creepy dude. <laughs> yeah, regular creepy dudes. Uh... You know, they don't they don't need any more attention other than what they seek out. Yeah, then yeah. Yeah. I fortunately do not have to deal with creepy dudes. I have to deal with creepy dudes like on the regular. Just today I went to Buckle to pick up a vest that I ordered, which obviously I don't need, but you know. Fuck it. Fuck it. I was there picking it up, and there's these two guys, and they are just totally hitting on the gals behind the counter, and they went and picked them up coffee, and they had all their, like, Gucci bags in hand, just trying to just be, like, total players. Wow. Even one tried to get the gal's number, and she's like, no, I'm sorry, I don't give that out, and, well, well, yeah, we'll be at the club around nine, and and they... The three gals just give me this look, just like, dude, and I give them the look back, like, dude <laughs> because it's just this like unspoken it was like this unspoken moment of like sisterhood where it's just like yeah i get you i know you're annoyed as fuck right now and you just want these guys to fucking go away it's happened to but you're salespeople and you have to be nice and yeah you can't just tell them to fuck off not yeah. at work yeah and that's probably why they hit on women at work i mean I'm for sure. the love of fucking god i'm sure and they know that uh gals at working at Buckle probably aren't making the big bucks and they think they're going to be so impressed by their shit that they're buying at Gucci, which just means like, yeah, you're spending a lot of shit on stuff that's probably ugly. Like, good for you. Yeah, well, you know, money is really what matters. Yeah, it's just, ugh. I hate that that's perpetuated so much that they just assume that's a thing that works, but we all had a good laugh about it once they left the store. It was fun. And so we're not talking about those kinds of creepy guys no we are not not anymore anyway yeah we're done with that for this episode at least but some of these are, are quite creepy <laughs> oh yeah so let's start with akamanto the red cape it seems the japanese have a thing for bathroom lurkers oh man i don't know why it's super weird but you know they do more than a couple of the urban legends from Japan talk about some creepy something or other stalking some restroom, usually in a school. Yeah, that was the the Hadoko or whatever the one the one from the last episode that there was that one. Yeah, yeah, the one with the legs that hangs out in the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Weird. Very weird. As early as the 1930s, a story has circulated throughout elementary schools in Japan. It goes that a kid in school late for some reason needs to use the bathroom. Bad. 
the nearest bathroom is not really an ideal one for many reasons. Either it's old and out of repair, or it's in an out-of-the-way place. Sometimes it's haunted. Something. The student finishes using the toilet, because they have to use that one. They gotta go bad, so they use the creepy toilet. They finish it, and they no- they finish using, and they notice that there's no toilet paper. Sometimes in the story, the students are aware of what's going on. It's real meta like that. And bring a roll with them, which at this point will disappear. Then they hear a voice that poses a choice in which color of toilet paper they'd like to use. They have different colored toilet paper? I don't think they usually do. Yeah, I mean, that's odd. I think that's that's just what this... I mean, that right there would throw me off. I'm like, um, white? Right, well, that's... You normally only have a choice between two colors, and that's usually... It's always red, sometimes white or purple, but usually it's the choice is between red and blue. Red and blue. In some variations, toilet paper is substituted for vest, hand, or tongue. What? Yeah. So it's like asking if you want to use it would be like, like a, a tongue to wipe? It would be like instead of asking do you want red or blue paper, it would say red or blue hand, red or, red or blue tongue, or red or blue vest. I'd be like... I don't care what number I just did. Or color. I, yeah, I would just be like, I'd fucking later, like, so hard. I just, yeah, I'd be fucking out of there. Yeah. Well, red always means dead, but not always in the same way. The most common form of death is getting stabbed so many times it looks like the set of Evil Dead 2, and the flaying of the back happening so that the flesh hangs off like a cape. The other forms death takes are getting drugged down into the toilet plumbing, or the netherworld, or hell, or whatever, or the victim's skin changes the color chosen, and then the victim will get sick and die, but not before they're able to tell the story. Oh, I would not want to get dragged down into the toilet plumbing, because that is a really, like, small... Yeah, no, that would be uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. a very short period of time. That seems like that would involve every piece of your body getting totally crushed. Yeah. So that it can fit down. Yeah, not not comfy. Mm. This is sort of how the students become aware of almost an origin story, I guess. Okay. So now this is how the students know about the bathroom. Because it happened to somebody else? Because it happened to somebody else. So this next student that goes in, they confidently answer, blue. Sadly for the student... Either all of the blood gets sucked out of their body, or they get strangled. Either way, they turn blue. There's one story of a clever student who attempted to trick their assailant and say yellow, but they were drowned in the piss and whatever else filled toilet. Gross. The only way to escape is to say you don't need paper, and then run. So you had it right, Joanna. Oh, yeah, because somebody starts talking to me in the bathroom, some unseen entity. and Male voice. Yeah. Start saying like, oh hey, red or blue, red or blue toilet paper, or shall it be like a red tongue or a blue tongue? Yeah, like I don't know, I'm out. Yeah, like later. You may ask, who is doing the killing? That also varies. Sometimes it's a serial killer hiding in the next stall. Other times it's a tall man with a pale, waxy face, like someone who's had fever. With each generation telling the story comes a change in the appearance of the assailant. Akamanto means red vest or red cape. 
so often the one doing the killing will be wearing red somehow, as well as a mask. In the 30s, he was said to wear a red short-sleeved kimono. Today, he is often said to be wearing a long hooded cape. Maybe sometimes they'll say he's got wearing a hoodie or something like that. There are some strange turns in this story. I mentioned earlier about a choice in vest, hand, or tongue. The vest story involves two cops. One male, one female. They are responding to a call about a man accosting people in a girl's restroom. The woman officer goes in first, with the man waiting outside. From outside, he hears a male voice from inside the restroom ask if she would like to put on a red vest, to which he hears her reply, yes. He then hears a scream and a thud. He bursts into the bathroom to find his partner missing her head, her vest covered in blood. Wow. Bathroom empty. Besides, of course, the dead partner. The alternate stories about the paper choices are red or white, and the case where the paper is purple and red. First off, we'll do the red-white combo. The choice of red means a red tongue comes out of the toilet and licks the student's ass. What? Gross. Yes. The choice of white makes a white hand pop out and stroke the student's ass. Oh, dude. The red-purple choice allows an escape with a choice of purple, while a choice of red gets you dragged through the plumbing. I couldn't find anything about the tongue or hand choice, so I, I think that it was probably just that one red or white, you got a red tongue or a white hand stroking the ass. Oh, but no so actual gross. stories where it was just a tongue or a hand you were choosing. Or, again, I mean, the second anyone starts mentioning anything, it's like, I'm fucking out of there. Yeah, yeah, probably a good idea. There is a 2015 horror short called Akamanto, written, directed, and starred in by Leo Kraska. It's three minutes long, and you should totally watch it. The link will be with the sources, which will be in the show notes. If some creepy dude in a bathroom asks you what color toilet paper you want to use, say none, leave... Just go. Just go. And if he says white or purple, say purple and then go. <laughs> and at least with purple, you'll be able to wipe your ass or whatever. Or this might be one case where just skip wiping the ass. I mean, I'm not one to uh, champion not wiping your ass. One should always wipe your ass, except in this circumstance where it's like, you know, just fucking go. If it's a choice between life and death. Yeah and your death happens if you wipe your ass, just don't wipe your ass. Yeah. It's fine. I won't judge you. No, I, maybe, would, I wouldn't either. Maybe we'll get a good laugh out of it, but I won't judge you. My first story will be about Sugawara no Michizani. He was an actual guy. Really? Mm-hmm. Born... 845 CE, died 903 CE. In a nutshell, he was a court scholar. He was a poet. He was kind of like a political figure. So a Renaissance man of sorts. Yeah, exactly. This was what's known as the the Heian period in Japan. Oh, okay. Now, apparently he pissed off this powerful family the Fujiwara family, and he was exiled by the Emperor Uda 
and he died in disgrace. That's no good. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a yokai waiting to happen. Following his death, Tokihira Fujiwara died at the age of 30 as well as his son. Another man who played a part in his exile died an instant death by lightning. Yowza. Anyone who applauded the exile of Michizani died one after another, either by lightning or by illness. That is two very strange ways to die. Well, illness, probably not so much. Strange in relation to one another. mm -hmm. Like for the death to be either illness or lightning strikes. It's just a weird, a weird mixture. It definitely got the attention of all those who had plotted against him. They were pretty freaked out by it. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. They're dying one after another, either by disease or getting struck by lightning. So those who had escaped, they called this a Tatari, which means dreadful curse. They were so afraid of this curse that they brought back the exiled sons of Michizani to settle the situation. Oh, right. They're like, hey, look. We're not trying to start any shit. How can we make this right? Right. So they restored Michizani's rank, promoted him to Dajo Daijin, the Grand Minister. And they also enshrined him in Tamangu, Kyoto. Today, he is revered as a god of education because of his exceptional intelligence. All right. Well, let's move out of Japan. Temporarily. And into Maryland. Maryland, huh? Maryland. In the good old U.S. of A. We're going to talk about the Goat Man of Maryland. The original story starts at Belleville's Agricultural Research Center in Maryland. Some unnamed scientist is doing experiments on goats for some reason when something happens mutating the scientist into a half-goat, half-human hybrid. The head and legs of a goat and the torso of a human. Hmm, that's interesting. It is. Since then, he scampers around the Northeast, harassing couples, teens, and decapitating dogs. Well, I would say he... I mean, does he really scamper, or just kind of walk human-like? He's got goat legs. Goat scamper. I thought he had a torso of a human. Torso of a human. Just a torso, but the head and the... Head and the legs of a goat. Head and legs of a goat. Okay, I think I was thinking top half goat, bottom half human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's... Yeah, no, he's got the... Sort of like uh, Mr. Tomness from The Lion, the Witch, the, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, mm-hmm. Or, you know, a satyr, Pan. Except with a goat head and not a human head. Right, yeah. The goat man is also said to be a shepherd out for revenge. One night, a group of teens played a prank that resulted in the death of all the guy's goats. Upon finding his dead animals, he went crazy. It's claimed that this story goes back several decades to around the 1940s and 50s, but it's first reported on in 1971, but not in a way that one would expect. An article written by a woman named Karen Hosler about folklore in October of 1971 talked about ghosts as well as a critter called Goatman. That's fine. It was just before Halloween, so it kind of went with the season. I couldn't find the article, though I tried, so I was unable to read it firsthand. 
The next article appearing about the Goatman was two weeks later, on November 10, 1971, in a front-page article. Residents fear Goatman lives. Mmm, made front page, huh? Dog found decapitated in old Bowie. Yes, front page. And apparently there was also a picture of the remains of the dog. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh... It was written by the same person. So somebody decapitates a dog and they're instantly like, it, it had to be the goat man. They believe it's the goat man. It's okay. the same person, who, allegedly, since I couldn't actually find these articles. Yeah, I couldn't find this other article either. I Google searched the title of the article and all I could find was other stories referencing that article, but not that article itself. Mm, it's probably because... That was like people like actually like going to the library and like microfi looking at microfiche or something. It's possible, but a lot of that shit's online now too. Oh well, yeah, so, there's a ton of shit online now, but not everything. Yeah, not about the goat man. From what I gathered, April Edwards, along with a group of her friends, witnessed a bipedally walking animal-like critter the night that her family's dog disappeared. One of the men who found the dog, Ginger, that was the dog's name gave an account of what he saw when he had encountered the goat man the evening before he found the remains. He described it as six foot two, it's 188 centimeters, walked on two feet, and was hairy. He also said it made a high-pitched squeal noise. Well, goats aren't known to squeal. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, there are also goat man legends in Kentucky and Texas. Uh, both of those goat men are, are seen near water. Are they sure it wasn't man-bear-pig? I don't think it was man-bear-pig. <laughs> but, who knows? I mean, 6'2"? Harry? Squealy? Squealy? Could be. Sounds Could like man-bear-pig to me. Well, do you want to go back to Japan, or should we stick around the Northeast for another time? Well, let's hear one more out of the Northeast. This one is about the North Pond Hermit in Maine. In a mainly seasonally occupied area of Maine. For mainly. <laughs> Sorry. Mainly seasonally. Like, there are some people that live there all year round, but for the most part, it's just, like, people who go who come there for the summer. Okay. So, mainly seasonally. Sort of like... Winthrop, maybe? Where there's people that live there, but for the most part, it's just, you know, tourists and people mm -hmm. who come there for... You know, the season. Or like the Hamptons. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You summer there. Exactly. For three decades here, shit would just go missing. It was never messy, never a broken window, and never any evidence with the exception of missing stuff. Things like food, books, flashlights, batteries, occasionally a garment. A game warden by the name of Terry Hughes decided to get to the bottom of this foolishness. Wow, they must have a lot of time on their hands. Well, I mean, it's mainly seasonal, and... I mean, he's a game warden. He's a fucking forest cop. <laughs> Using technology that Chris Knight probably didn't really know about, he was caught. A motion detector was set up in a restaurant that was thought to be a favorite target of the bandit. And it was connected to an alarm set at Hughes' house, so... This guy, Chris Knight, goes in to get some food from this restaurant. He had he had a key. I don't know how he had the key, but he had a key somehow. And, uh, yeah, he sets off this alarm and, and, and gets busted. It turned out that he took off where he lived in Massachusetts and drove to Maine, walked into the woods. He left his car with the keys in the center console and just left society. His family is a very private type, so they didn't report him missing. 
They just assumed he had a good reason for disappearing. Hmm, okay. They were an odd type of people. The type you'd want to, like, colonize a new planet with or, you know, colonize a new land with. Yeah, clearly, like, kind of, like, devoid of attachment. Well, they knew cunning things. Like, apparently, you can bury a bunch of one-gallon containers of water in the ground, and they'll collect heat during the day and then disperse it over the night. His family had this greenhouse, and they had all this these bottles buried underneath it. And so they would have fresh vegetables and shit in the middle of the winter in Maine. Wow, so it wouldn't freeze, huh? It wouldn't freeze. It was buried under the ground somehow. I mean, I don't know exactly how the whole thing works, but apparently it works. It seems like you might need to mix a little antifreeze with that, but that's just my thought. I don't think so. It has, I don't, I, I don't know. It, it has stuff to do with physics, and I'm sure you don't want me to get into it. No, and I don't want to try and think about it either. Okay. He left in 1986 at 20 years old and was caught April 4th, 2013. So this was a long time going on then. Oh, yeah. 27 years. 27 years of just being a bandit? Alone. A general a hermit. bandit of things? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You, you could wonder why, how, like, how someone could live someplace like this for 27 years and no one would know it. Well, he, the, I guess the sheer density of the forest kept this little grove hidden. He never had a fire. And he just never spoke, so he didn't attract any attention. He lived in a tent in the dead of winter in Maine without freezing to death. He would just wake up at around 2 in the morning and then walk the perimeter of his camp while he melted snow for water. Hmm. And then he would just come into town and, like, kind of randomly, like, steal food and clothes and stuff? Through residence, mainly. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to live in this town because, Jesus Christ, I mean... Clearly, not a lot of other crime going on for them to... <laughs> no, no, not a lot. Just this one weird bandit guy. Hermit bandit. And not anymore. I mean, it's super weird that he was able to do this shit, though, because to, to survive in the woods in Maine just by yourself is... That's pretty wild. That is incredibly wild. I know I wouldn't be able to. No, no. I'd, I'd be like one night in and be like, okay, fuck this. This was yeah, a bad idea. This is cold. I'm going home. I hope my car is still wherever I parked it. <laughs> exactly. It's an amazing feat what he did. And it would have been more amazing if he hadn't committed literally thousands of burglaries to do it. I mean, yeah, it was minor shit that he stole. And, and I'm sure in a lot of cases, people didn't even know that he had taken something. A, a book. Who knows? I mean, maybe it was just a book that they'd already read and just completely forgot they had. And one day they're like, oh, I wonder where that book is. Right. And who knows? I wonder who I lend, loaned that to. Doesn't well, matter. I mean, at least he kept it to a minimum. I mean, he wasn't living in someone's fucking house being like a oh, creeper. Yeah. Like totally. That, I mean, that's fucking awful. But still, I mean, it was known in the area that shit went missing. And some people would put notes on the door and say, don't break in. Just, you know, tell us what you need. Uh, he was ruining people's sense of security regardless of what he stole i mean that's something that can you put a price on that i guess not i guess not i wouldn't be able to sleep in a place where i knew at any minute some dude could just come in well that's kind of like any time for me but i don't know that's fair <laughs> <laughs> he ended up pleading guilty to 13 counts of burglary and theft when he went to court for this on October 28th, 2013, 
he had already been in jail for six months and three weeks. And when the judge dropped a sentence of seven months in jail and a $2,000 fine for all the shit he'd stolen, he was, it was a pretty good deal. He only had to serve another week and then pay 2000 bucks. I wonder how bad of a deal it was to actually be in jail for like seven months. Like, was it like a vacation? No, he hated Getting it. Like, oh, okay. Because I was like, did he, hated did he like getting like three hots in a cot for a little bit there? Now, there is too many people. There's too... Oh, well, I can see that. And... I can see how that jail would be way too people-y for me and like just the totally like wrong kind of people. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't great for him. I bet if it was just some little tiny jail where he was just like the only occupant. That would be probably fine for yeah. him. Yeah. He's not very good at talking to people because he simply did not do it for 27 years. In addition to the seven months in jail and the $2,000 fine, he was also required to get a job or go to school. And they didn't want him to drink for whatever reason. If he were to violate these terms, he would then serve seven years in jail. Probably prison, more like. Yes, yes. I'm not sure what he's doing these days. I did a couple Google searches and couldn't come up with much. Hopefully he's being left alone like he wants to be. Yeah, he, hopefully he's found a way to live his best life without having to steal from anyone else. When people heard this story, a lot of people did offer to let him live on their land. And there was people that wanted to start a, a crowdfunding thing for them for him to just buy him fucking food so he could just keep doing what he's doing. This guy's kind of like reminds me of like Ted Kaczynski, except like he wasn't like going around fucking bombing people. Yeah, yeah. But super crazy smart and a total recluse. And yes, except this guy seemed less surly than Ted Kaczynski. Right. Ted Kaczynski definitely had some issues, <laughs> to say the least. There's a pretty long article I read uh, about this particular story. That was it was pretty fascinating. The guy, it's crazy. I mean, it is crazy. Just, he just wanted to take off. which was like, fuck it, I'm out. He stuck his, his brother helped him get a loan, helped him out getting the car, like co-signed on the loan. And so he like kind of fucked his brother out of that. That sucks. While he was out, you know, while he was being a hermit, his, one of his parents died and his brothers thought he was dead, but. Nobody ever reported anything about it? No, no one reported about it. Just that felt just that weird. he wanted to go do this, so they should not disallow him from doing it, I guess. You think he would just file a report at least so that if he does turn up on somebody's radar somewhere, someone's going to fucking notify you? Yeah, or, yeah, if you find a body someplace, they just mm -hmm. know that there's a... a a missing person that matches this description. Yeah, it's something. Something where you're going to find out one way or another. I wonder if you can report someone missing, but then be like, we want to report them missing, but we don't think they're... We, we think they're doing it because they want to. Like, don't like actively look for them, but they're out there. Like, I don't know. Probably you can. I mean, I think there's a lot of missing people where you can't really prove one way or another that they're not missing of their own free will. So right. they'll file the report, they'll have it in the system, but they're not going to, they'll, they'll do like, 
probably a few cursory interviews, but after ascertaining the fact that probably this isn't related to foul play or what have you, they'll, yeah. you know, they'll be in the system, but nobody's going to be like, you know, spending hours and hours like out there. They're not going to be putting extra detectives on the case and exactly. you know, putting in an extra shift or anything like that. Why don't you take us back to the land of the rising sun, Joanna? I will do exactly that. I have two more stories of vengeful spirits from Japan. Now, the first one was paraphrased from the website I found all three at. Okay. And these next two, I'm just I'm just going to read them as they are on the website because I didn't feel the need to have to. They said all that needed to be said there. Exactly, exactly. So this is an article titled um, Onro, Duality of Vengeful Spirits and Japanese Ghost Stories. The author is Hiroko Matsuyama, and it was posted June 24th, 2017. The first one is the story of Taira no Masakado. It was a samurai in the Heian period, again, who led one of the largest insurgent forces in the period against the court in Kyoto. The rebellion failed and he was murdered, and his head was put in the open air in Kyoto. Well, that'll teach anyone else. Yeah, I'm sure that was done a lot. Oh, yeah. To teach people. They certainly like to do it in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, there was lots of countries back in the day that did that as an example. Oh, yeah. Put your fucking head on a pike somewhere. Now, this is where it gets a little weird. His head seemed fresh even after a few days. Hmm. I don't even want to think about what the head looks like after, is supposed to look like after a few days, but, uh. Not fresh. I think that is fresh. very certain. And also, his eyes would open up wide and he would speak and say, Where is my body? <laughs> Do come back to my head and I'll have another battle. Wow. It's said that people also heard him. So it's said that people heard him screaming this night after night. Holy shit for. That that would be disturbing. I mean, for not having lungs. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. And probably, like, your vocal cords severed and... Likely. I mean, they go down the neck, and that's usually where you get decapitated from. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah, I mean, it's if really, it's just your head. It's a very sloppy decapitation. It's maybe a bit lower. I don't know. One night, his head once again shouted, claiming his body back. After which, it flew away to Edo, which on this article it says is present Tokyo. Kyoto just, I think that was the capital of Japan before, before Edo period, right, which is then, when the capital yeah. moved to Tokyo. Eventually it fell, and the place where it fell is called Masakado no Kubizuka. The locals made a grave for his head, and it says he was enshrined at Kanda Mayojin in 1309. All right. Apparently it was disturbed. 
when the great earthquake struck the area. And there were several weird accidents that occurred following that disturbance of his gravesite. All right. Several weird accidents today. It didn't get into what they were, but it does get a little bit more specific when it comes to following World War II. Okay. The general headquarters of the Allied forces, so the Allied forces occupied Japan for a bit following World War II. They tried to build a parking lot there, I guess. Oh. And a bulldozer overturned and killed a worker. Holy shit. Mm Mm-hmm. That doesn't generally happen. Those things don't move very quickly. Masakado is still the object of awe to this day, and his grave has been taken good care of now. I don't know if the parking lot was ever completed or not, but... They're not fucking around with the grave anymore, regardless. Now he is considered to be the guardian spirit of Tokyo. All right. And now I got one more for you. This is the story of Emperor Sotuku. He was born under an unfortunate star. Uh Uh-oh. Would you say he was born under a bad sign? I don't know. It just doesn't... I guess that's just not a good way to start things off in life. Guess not. There were numerous imperial succession disputes until Emperor Sotuku took the throne. In 1156, right before he began to reign, the Hogan Rebellion occurred, which he failed to suppress. Sotuku escaped from death but had to exile in Sanuki no Kuni. That just, that makes me smile. Yeah, you just smiled big. That's a good word, though. Sanuki no Kuni which is the present-day Chicago region. After Sotuku's abdication and exile, he devoted himself to monastic life. Hey, why not? To keep you out of trouble. He got pretty hardcore with it. According to this, he copied numerous Buddhist scriptures with his own blood and offered them to the court. Jesus. Yeah. Now, fearing the scriptures were cursed, the court refused to accept them, and sent it back with the scripture all torn up. So they tore it up in shreds and then sent it back to him, and that was not well received. When you, I mean, it's his blood. Yeah, it's like, dude. Dude, that's not cool. I mean, I can see how they were kind of freaked out by him, but it's like, you know, that's, that's a huge level of devotion. What do you think he's going to do when you just throw that back in his face? Yeah, right? Like I, what's the I, I would be like, you know, here. thank you very much. That's awesome. We don't need any more, thank you. We don't need any more. Like that's cool. Like you don't have to keep doing that, but no, thank you so much for your um, sacrifice and dedication. If you'd like, you can use regular ink if you mm-hmm. want to give us more. Feel free. Obviously, Satuko was furious, and he went to the garden and bit the tips of his tongue. And wrote down the curse words, wishing the ruin of the court. So I don't know, like, I guess maybe he, like, bit the tip of his tongue kind of off to, like, ma- I, I'm hoping to, like, I think maybe, like, rub his finger on it and write it. Or, I don't know, use his, like, 
blood writing pen. I'm not sure quite how that worked. When I first was reading it, I was like, did he lick it out? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just see him like licking this curse out. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm sure you probably. I mean, that would be cool if you could do that. Yeah. I mean, he'd be very popular with the ladies. <laughs> Definitely. Now, upon his death, he became an Anroyu, which is the vengeful spirit. Yep. Everything from the subsequent fall in the fortune of the imperial court, the rise of the samurai powers, droughts, and the internal unrest were blamed on his haunting. No shit. Yeah, so basically he became like a catch-all for everything fucking bad that happened. Right, right. Wow. After his death, there were great calamities almost every hundred years until the Warring States period. 700 years later, when em Emperor Meiji acceded, he brought back the spirit of Sotuku to Kyoto and enshrined it in Shiramini Jingu Shrine. Huh. Finally, his spirit came back to where it desired to be. That's heartwarming. Yeah, so I guess building a shrine made him not so mad, and uh, now I guess whatever bad stuff happens... In that area, he's not to blame for it, but he was for a really long time. Yeah, putting the spirit to rest probably is what happened there. Yep. Yeah. Very cunning of that guy. Probably why he became the emperor. <laughs> Maybe so. Well, why don't we go on back to North America? We're going to talk about Charlie No-Face, the green man. Charlie No-Face, that sounds like a gangster name. It does sound like a gangster name. Or someone from Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm, that's Charlie No-Face. I think there was a No-Face in Dick Tracy, actually. I think there was. I haven't seen Dick Tracy in so long. Oh, yeah, neither have I. It's a great movie, though. Oh, it is. Star a lot of people in it. Mm-hmm. It was August 1919. Electricity was still pretty new and dangerous. An eight-year-old boy is walking his sister home when he... They spot a bird's nest. Well, this is 1919. Not a smartphone in sight. You need one to curb these kids in their damn natural curiosity. This nest was in a tree that was next to a trolley trestle that still had live electricity going to it for some reason. Nearly a year before this very day, another boy had gotten electrocuted at this same place and died after a couple weeks of agony. Oh, that's awful. Yes. So this is like tracks but they're not in use anymore but they're still electrified it's i think so it's a trolley trussel so i think that it's the structure around the outside of where a trolley would go that would feed the trolley the electricity to power it okay i'm pretty sure that's what it is i i did look around and i couldn't find any direct definition for trolley trussel but that is what i i did see and probably there was, like, no warning signs or anything like that. And even so, it's possible that the kid couldn't even read. I mean, it's 1919. Yes, that's true. There was kind of a lack in the public education yes. system going on. This boy, Ray Robinson, accidentally touched a live wire. He didn't die. He lost a hand, most of his arm, and his face was mostly melted away. What? No. Things were different back then. Ray, now horribly disfigured from an accident, was just hidden away. The Pennsylvania family lived in a home that had enough room that little Ray had an area to himself. You know, so no one had to see the unpleasantness. Right. 
it's like you're very lucky if you are well off enough to be able to hide away any of your like hideously deformed children. Yep. Yeah. And so he was still fed and cared for in a very basic sense of the word. Like he got clothing and they gave him books and shit, but I mean, he didn't really have eyes. Taught himself Braille. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how you teach yourself Braille, but he did. He spent most of his time listening to the to baseball on the radio, and then he would make wallets out of doormats and old tires, and those are things that he would... I, I don't know if he would sell himself or if he would give it to a family member, member to sell, but I guess that's how he pulled his weight. Probably he was not allowed to sell them himself. I'm no. sure people thought that that was not a great selling point. No. It was made by my blinded brother, but nobody wants to see that shit. Huh. When he got older, they made an apartment above the garage and allowed him to live there. So who is that guy? Mike Seaver? Kind of like him. Mike Seaver. That was in Family Ties, right? Yeah, that that was. Um, and he was the uh, I'm really Kirk st- Cameron. Okay, okay. And yeah, I was the... really struggling to remember Family Ties. <laughs> and... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He had the uh, the apartment above the or the room above the garage when he got older. Oh, okay. Yeah. As anyone would, Ray got sick of sitting around the house all the time. To alleviate this boredom, he'd wait until night and then go for walks. He'd carry a stick to feel his way along the side of a highway, you know, because he didn't have eyes. Right, and you don't want to go like walking into the road. No, and I guess uh, out from where they lived, that was. Basically, all he had to walk on was to the highway and then down the highway. This is what bred an urban legend. Stories of a no-faced man that would wander the highways who was either a factory worker who had been disfigured or the ghost of said worker. But really, it was just like the adult version of this poor kid that got fucking electrocuted. Yep, they would just see the guy. I mean, the, the story would go that they would frequently see this guy smoking a cigarette and the smoke evacuating through the holes in his cheeks. <gasps> and as headlights came on him, he would glow green and people would freak out and just carry on. He didn't... I mean, there was never any claims, I guess, that he actually did anything. He was always just kind of scary to people. He just liked to drink beer and smoke cigarettes and was kind of scary looking. He was just a, some dude. With a burned up face. With a fucked up face from getting destroyed by electricity in oh my God. the turn of you know, the beginning of the century. Well, I've got one more here. This one is uh we'll lighten it up a little bit. Joanna's frowning here. I am frowning because I I'm just thinking about his fucking like eyes like melting. Yeah. Like that's just like such an unfortunate getting shocked so bad that head. you one of your limbs blows off your body, mm-hmm. yeah. and your eyes just like burst and melt and ugh, like like the soupy egg and stuff like coming down out of your eyes. Yeah, it's freaking me out. Well, we'll move on. This is a creepy guy from Canada, more of the variety that we began the episode of creepy guys. You know, the kind we're not talking about, but this is a good story, so it has to be told. In Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, a strange thing has been happening. A man in a black SUV picks up young men, usually drunk but sometimes not, usually on their way home. He offers the guy a ride home, and on the way he has the guy try on leather gloves. 
Oh dear. Is there just like a an abundance of guys like walking home in this area? I guess so. He's a glove salesman, you see, and hands the man a business card for a business called Glove the Gloves. What sorry, was that Love the Gloves or Glove the Gloves? Love the Gloves. Love the Gloves. This just says creepy, like I'm already getting creeped out. The gloves are usually pretty tight. Ah. And he, I don't know why that's so bothersome to me, but it just is. <laughs> and he has the guy he picked up interlace his fingers to get them fitted properly. Uh, maybe he makes a few fists and pounds a fist into his hand to get it, just to maybe really get the gloves on right. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking O.J. Simpson trying, attempting to, like, you know. Yeah, but getting them on there, you know. Yeah, not actually making them fit instead of uh, trying to make them not. Exactly. And then, then he'd have the guy trying a different pair of tight gloves and same thing. and. The whole time, the guy is obviously, like, excited, licking his lips. Oh, dude. Rubbing his crotch with his hand. What? In some cases, he starts to masturbate through his pants. In May 2016, Murray Russell James, 50, was charged with one count of committing an indecent act, the masturbating, for which he pled guilty. He claims to have only pled guilty because he didn't have means to fight the charge. In January of 2017, he received the sentence of not being allowed of not being allowed to leave his home from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. for 30 days and was fined $100. He was also not allowed to contact the man he'd jacked off next to. He says his only regret was promoting his business so late. So what happened here is he picked up a guy. And this guy wasn't drunk. And so he was like, drive my car. And while you're driving my car, try on these gloves. gloves. And so they do this for some time, just driving up and down the same stretch of road. And this guy is the guy that finally went to the police and got this guy arrested. Well, yeah, because he's a total (laughs) freak. Oh, my God. He is. This reminds me of like the pants lady at Eddie Bauer that would oh, call in. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, you know, just some weird fucking person with some weird fucking fetish. And it's like, you know what? Whatever. It's like, can't you find like, can't you find some old like isotoner commercials from like 1985 <laughs> to jack off to? Why do you have to do that to like unsuspecting people? <laughs> yeah. It's, you think you're getting the ride, and it's like, oh, here, try these gloves on. I'm a glove salesman, right? and then, you know. Love the gloves. Oh, my God. And then, you know, you're you're tugging them on, and then, you know, that's when you notice he's fucking, like, You're tugging him on, one he's out. tugging himself off. Yeah, like, yeah. gross. Like, don't fucking do that. And don't he, do that to people. He never took his pants off. It was always through the pants, but, but still. But still, okay. But still. It's sort of, you know. <laughs> it's it's fucking awful. I laugh about it, but nevertheless, it's pretty fucked up. It's really fucked up. And then, like, the what he gets, the punishment he receives. Like, of, you can't go out during the night. For, like, uh, for 30 days, and you gotta pay 100 bucks, and you can't talk to this guy again. <laughs> yeah, so. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is some good times. Well, I haven't been dealing with any uh, awful supernatural guys, but that kind of makes, like, the problem I've been having with, like, mortal men this month. Uh, 
yeah. I mean, at least I don't got that going on. Least, yeah. At least no one's a... Well, I mean, first of all, I would not get in a car with... No, as you shouldn't. Any man, but... Randomly stopping by, hey, you need a ride? Although this is... I mean, it's... Nova Scotia, Canada is... It's probably a nicer place than around here, so it's... I mean, that's probably the worst thing that's going to happen to you. Although, I mean... From the second, it'd be like, try these gloves on. I mean, that's like fucking red flag right there. Right. I'd be like, I'm fucking out of here, you know? You're like, nah, how would no. you pull over? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, don't ask me what color toilet paper I want. Don't ask me about, <laughs> like, hand or tongue when I'm in a fucking toilet. And don't start asking me to put anything on. Like, I don't care if it's a fucking pair of gloves. It's like, the second the second somebody does something like that, it's just like, that is like, mm-mm. Yeah, a little weird. I mean, there's... It's a lot weird. It's a lot weird when some guy just tells you to do something. Like, <laughs> there like are here, s- put these gloves on. It's like, um, no. Like, how about you don't fucking tell me what to do? Yeah, there's some instances where maybe that would be fine. Like, maybe if you were... If I was shivering and in cold, the Arctic. Yeah. And, and, like, he's like, take these gloves and put them on. Yeah. Yeah. But you're... I mean, I guess Nova Scotia's cold, but still, yeah. it's like... You mm. actually might take someone on up on the offer of gloves in Nova Scotia. But if you're out there for a walk, one would think you're you're prepared yes. in Nova Scotia. Like, yeah. you have gloves on you. Yeah, probably. And it's I would like, imagine. no, put these ones on, and ugh. I would imagine. And then, I know that women don't always, and like a lot of times, don't say anything when they get assaulted like this. I'm sure it's even less for men. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he got away with it so many times before some guy was finally like... This is fucked up. Yeah. And this isn't my fault. What the fuck, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not your guy, pal. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not your fucking glove, bitch. Like, fuck that. <laughs> oh, so weird. So weird. Just People are just fucking weird. They are super weird. That's why we have the internet. Well, that will do it for us this time. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Check out our social medias in the meantime. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on Stranger Than Podcast or Stranger Than and all of those. Come check out our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Stranger Than Podcast. A donation of $2 will get you, or more, will get you ad-free episodes, and $5 or more will get you a bonus episode every month. If you would like to tell us a story or suggest to us a topic or something like that, you can drop us an email, StrangerThanPodcast at gmail.com. Also check out the podcast syndicate we're a part of, Age of Radio at ageofradio.org. You can check out the other great podcasts as well as the Bazaar, where you can buy a variety of things. You can also buy things from us. tpublic.com slash user slash stranger than podcast. And I think with that, we will talk to you next time. And stay strange. <laughs> <laughs>